I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Okay, for a second I was like, wait a minute, why is my thing not recording? It just, sometimes it does that. It like pauses before it starts. That was weird. That's okay, mine does the same thing. Okay, good, because I was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Okay, good, we're going. So, welcome to the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And we are on to... Whoop. Got to bring my notes up here so I know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> we are on to Season 1, Episode 21. We're almost at the end of Season 1. Uh, this episode is titled Tombs, and it does, based on the title, see the return of villain to, uh, Eugene Victor to I almost called him Adrian Tombs because I've been... I'm like, that's the wrong Tombs. Because <laughs> yep. I've been watching the Spider-Man cartoon... <laughs> Um, uh, Eugene Victor Tombs, who first appeared in Squeeze earlier. It took this me a season. minute. Uh, it, it took me a minute to recognize him. I was just like, "Why are we focusing a lot?" Oh, because mm-hmm. um, the first shot in the in this before the cold open, where it's him like stretching his arm out through mm-hmm. the door. It, like I saw his face, and I didn't recognize it quite at first. And then he started like stretching his arm out, and I was just like. Oh, it's kind of like that guy from the... Be- oh! Yep, exactly. So, uh, this episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who are the uh, heroes of season one so far, and for the rest of the series. They're pretty good writers, and also directed by David Nutter, who already by this... Point- <laughs> <laughs> Nutter. Who already by this point was uh, considered by everyone involved in the series as the best director of the series thus far. So, uh, should give you a hint that we're in for a pretty good go at this episode. So, yeah, uh, the cold open, like Justin just said, is in this uh, sanitarium uh, in Maryland. It is called the Druid Hill Sanitarium, and it... uh, Focuses in on the door of Eugene Victor Tombs, and we kind of see him look out through the slot in his door that they stick his meals through. And then he does his uh, stretching bit, stretches his arm out to try to reach the lock on the outside. The finger bit, like the, the secondary part of that where like they stretched his fingers, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Yeah. They do some good stuff with his, uh, not quite as much in this one as in the first episode, but they do a few good things with his uh, ability to change his own body structure. Um, and he's about to reach it, but somebody comes into the hallway and walks down to his door. And uh, it's his doctor, and he's knocking on the door, and he's like, are you in there? Are you in there? And we're led to believe that maybe he escaped already, but nope, they open the door, and he's in there, 
And the doctor's like, are you nervous uh, about tomorrow? And, uh, you know, I know you're worried that they're not going to let you out, but all of these doctors are, they're going to testify for you. They're going to say that you're ready to be released. So fingers crossed. And uh, right as he leaves, Toombs crosses like his ring finger over his middle finger or something. It's really creepy looking image. His, his middle, his middle finger, like... It's just he. It's just the crossing of his middle finger. I think it is his ring figure over his middle. No, his pointer over his. I don't know. It's weird. It was definitely like the the middle and pointer finger. But something about it was very creepy, and I can't figure out what. Yeah. And so then we have the opening credits, and we go to the J. Edgar Hoover Building, and we meet Assistant Director Walter Skinner. This is his very. Oh, Skinner. Yeah, this is his very first appearance. He's played by uh, the fabulous Mitch Pileggi. And uh, this is his only appearance in season one, uh, but he will go on to become an important character in the rest of the series. But also right behind Skinner, the motherfucking smoking man. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. You will learn to hate the smoking man, dude. I'm telling you. Uh, so anyway, Skinner, uh, he's talking to Scully. He's like, look, we, we looked at this report and we're not pleased. Like everything about this is very irregular. Uh, and of course the FBI doesn't like irregular. They like people to do things by the rules. And so Scully's like, uh, look, the, the nature of the X-Files means sometimes we're not going to have orthodox investigations. And Skinner's like, so the FBI should just have different standards for you and Mulder? And Scully's like, no. And he's like, so Mulder prevents you from using standard procedures? And she's like, no, I'm just saying that these cases should be reviewed with an open mind and I made a note here that this is like really starting to be a change in Scully's character and it comes back later in the episode too like she'll she's always going to be a skeptic but when she says that they should look at these cases with an open mind after she's already written her report she's really putting herself on Mulder's side saying look maybe going in I'm going to be skeptic of these things but by the time I write my report I've seen some weird shit and you need to listen yeah to <laughs> yeah and so Skinner's like alright well maybe your mind is too open then um, <laughs> and Scully's like look we have a really high case solution rate on the X-Files. It's 75%, which is well above the uh, current FBI standard. And Skinner's like, yeah, that's the only thing that's saving you at this point. And yeah. I think mean, th that doesn't seem that like, again, authoritative theater, uh, 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 authoritative models or whatever mm -hmm. characters always are just the biggest dicks well and i i figured you'd probably say that and i do kind of need to point out like skinner does come across and they develop his character more like he definitely does come across as kind of like a uh authority figure dick for a lot of this episode but definitely not the way he the way he gets portrayed as the series goes on is he's like this frustrated dude 
who tries really hard to do his job the way he's supposed to and keeps coming to the conclusion that, like, it's more to his character to help Mulder and Scully than to continue to try to do his job the way he's supposed to do his job. Right. So right now we're kind of seeing him just being like the frustrated, and especially since he's got the smoking man staring over his shoulder and the smoking man doesn't do much in this episode, but they kind of give you the idea that like whoever this person is, is really breathing down Skinner's neck. Makes sense, yeah, especially because he's always just over his shoulder, like, he's every step of the way. He's just standing there glaring and chain-smoking, <laughs> so... Anyway, and uh, Scully's like, well, what more do you want from me? And that's kind of when Skinner actually looks over at the smoking man who's just staring out the window... And so Skinner looks back at Scully and he's like, I just need you to make more frequent reports and adhere to more standard investigation procedures. See that these cases are done by the book. And Scully's like, okay, but if I do everything by the book, that's probably going to decrease our rate of success. (laughs) Yes. Like she just pointed out to him, they have a really good rate of success. So anyway... We cut to Tombs, and he's at his court hearing, and of course Mulder's there, and we get a little montage of doctors testifying on his behalf, and... Uh, and no one's there except for Mulder. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a... It's not really like a... Because they kind of say, I guess, that he like wasn't convicted of crimes. He was committed to this sanitarium place, uh, and so now they're... They said that he couldn't... They said that... Well, Mulder kind of goes into it a little bit more mm-hmm. when he does his testimony. Um, is because his whole testimony is like they found in his like his yeah. molecular structure or whatever mm-hmm. is different. But then when further testing was asked to do, his lawyer, the uh, Tombs lawyer, like yeah, stopped he, it from happening, yeah. and so instead it went to the psychiatric ward. Yeah. So this isn't like really a trial. It's more like. Are we going to let him free from this psychiatric... Like, is he competent to re-enter society? And so, uh, we get a little scene of um, Tombs giving his doctor the monster eye. uh, Because we know from the last episode, he only ate four livers, but he needs to eat five before he can go into hibernation. So, he's, like, still looking for somebody to eat their liver. And uh, this is when Mulder gets up to testify, and right as he gets up, Scully comes in, and of course, uh, Mulder... As soon as he starts his testimony, Scully is already rolling her eyes, like, oh no. I called it, where did I put it in my notes? Uh, I called it her, you're really fucking this up face. Because... Mulder's his own worst like he's right but nobody else believes that he's right so while he's up there rambling about how Tombs is over a hundred years old and has killed all these people and can elongate his body everyone's like all right Mulder that's enough no okay look nope stop stop (laughs) basically like trying to get him to stop and he won't stop talking and finally they basically just kick him out of the room 
And so he's sitting outside the courtroom and then Scully comes out and Mulder's like, do you think they would have taken me more seriously if I wore the gray suit? Uh, And Scully sits down and she says to him, Mulder, your testimony, you sounded like... And Mulder's like, I don't care what I sounded like. It was the truth, which is true, but come on, Mulder. Yeah, God. You're trying to keep this man locked up, and you're not doing yourself any favors. (laughs) So, and then Mulder says, like, where were you? Your testimony was important, too. And she's like, I had a meeting with Skinner. And then the prosecutor comes out and he's like, all right, come on back in. They're, they're ready to make their judgment. And, of course, the judges let him free. They're like, you can go as long as you keep getting counseling, uh, that you keep your job at the animal control, and that you live with this couple over here who's trained to help people reintegrate into society. And Mulder storms out and he's like, I'm not taking my eye off him. Uh, he needs to kill. He's he's going to kill. He won't kill those old folks he's going to live with. That's too obvious. But he's going to kill somebody. And he's an animal. He'll only kill. Because he needs to eat or defend himself. And Scully's like, fine, I'm, I'm going to keep watch with you. And Mulder's like, no, no. I'll watch him. You go investigate the earlier murders. And Scully's like, ah, uh, Mulder, those were like 30 and 60 years ago. And Mulder's like, well... There's no statute of limitations on murder. And so she says, okay, well, that's going to require unorthodox investigation. And Mulder's like, if uh, you're resisting because you don't believe, look, I respect that. But if you are resisting this because some bureaucrat says you have to, then they haven't just reeled you in. They've skinned you alive. (laughs) So, Ha, Skinner. I know, right? And that's when Toombs walks out of the courtroom and past Mulder and Scully and just gives them the, just a smile that makes you want to punch him right in the face. <laughs> just so smug. He was the guy they have as Toombs. I really liked him. Like, yeah. Overall, he, he does a really great job. He doesn't say much. He just does everything with like this next bit when he picks up the uh, dead rat off the side of the road and, and he, he just starts like sucking his fingers. Oh, so gross. God, that was so. And he like the look on it. He did such a good job of making it look like licking this dead rat off his fingers was like the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, it was oh. so gross. <laughs> so wrong i was like wait did he just what (laughs) yeah and so he notices a blonde lady at a food cart and he gives her the the monster eye thinking oh maybe i'll eat this person and Mulder steps in and is like excuse me can you help me find my dog (laughs) and (laughs) so tombs you know gets in his van and goes away and that's when we cut back to detective Frank Briggs, who we also met in Squeeze. He was the detective from the other sets of murders that Toombs did. And Briggs is like, look, if if he gets away now, the next time he comes and kills somebody, you're going to be my age. And, of course, he's like a 80, 90-year-old man or whatever. And Scully's like, look, that's why we have to prove that he was the murderer back then. And there has to be some kind of, we've seen all the evidence, but there has to be something else. And Briggs says, you know, there was one thing. Um, 
1963 and then again in 1993, there were all five victims and we found them all and they all had their livers removed. But back in 1933, we only found four people, but a fifth person was missing and never found. And he digs in a box in his room and pulls out a liver in a jar. How? How? I don't. That's evidence. Why does he have yeah. it in a box? It says his... evidence on the side of it. And it's in his room. Um. And he goes, look, this was found underneath a chemical plant, uh, or it was found at a chemical plant while they were building it, but it doesn't belong to any of the victims we found. It's like just this stray liver with no body. And Scully's like, okay, but that doesn't mean it came from somebody that Tombs killed. And he's like, I, I just know that that final body didn't get found because there was something about the body that would 100% prove it was tombs. And Scully's like, well, how do you know? He's like, I don't know, just got to trust your gut sometimes. And so she says, okay, well, then where does your gut say the body is? And he says, still in that chemical plant, in the cement, in the foundation. So they go to the chemical plant, and they're using ground-penetrating radar to see if there's really a body there. This whole bit was just a little weird because it was... Because, like, it's, like, with state-of-the-art technician here with this, Mm -hmm. with this able ability to... uh, With a machine that had the ability to, like, show off if anything weird. And he wheels to, like, a small... An area where there's just mostly dirt and just goes, it's over here! (laughs) He just... It's over here, guys. And just rolls in and is just like, it's over here. It's not over there. It's right here. So, okay. And then we get a scene of Tombs picking up a dead cat off the ground, stuffing it in a bag, and he sees a dude. uh, Not licking his fingers afterwards. Doesn't lick his fingers afterward because he sees a dude. Apparently, rat is better. Apparently. Sees a dude getting into a red Mustang, apparently thinks, I'm going to eat that dude's liver. And so back at the chemical plant, they jackhammer up some of the concrete. And, of course, the body's right there because it is. <laughs> yeah. And then, They only have so much time in television. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, little bitty scenes in this next, po- in this next part. Like, it cuts to, like, a house and the, the dude with the red Mustang pulls up and he goes inside and Tombs Animal Control Van, which I wrote here, smooth. <laughs> Yeah, so smooth. So totally undercover to just be following this dude in your animal control van, planning to attack him. Uh, Mulder pulls up. He's been following him. You know, he's got no lights on in his car. And inside the house, like, the man is working on a project. And the wife's like, I'm going to watch TV in bed. And outside, Mulder's falling asleep in his car. And he, for whatever reason, he, like, jerks awake and is like, oh, shit. And he runs over to Toombs' van and Toombs isn't in it. He's, so Mulder just starts running around looking for him. But under the van, a manhole cover drops back into place. So apparently the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have taken Toombs. They ha- it's, it's like the X-Files uh, comic crossover. It's totally true. Mm-hmm. And uh, then back in the house, the wife is like, 
in the bathroom getting ready for bed and she goes to drop a tissue in the toilet and she notices that her disgusting green toilet water is like all backed up and bubbling. So she snakes it and it flushes and then her kid starts crying. So she jumps up to leave the bathroom and we see the drain snake still in the toilet getting pulled deeper into the toilet. <laughs> deeper into the toilet. Apparently Tombs was going to just squeeze come right out squeeze of squeeze through the yeah i was like is he ser-? like i'm like that is not gonna happen there's no way even with his like weird ability mm-hmm. like even that is extremely tiny yep so and who would want to go through that way i know right especially in a few minutes when we see him but um so she, you know, comes back and she tries to pull the snake out of the drain, but it gets pulled back in because Pennywise is down there. And uh, she wrestles with it, finally gets it out, and she leaves. But before she leaves, she shuts the lid of the toilet and puts the childproof lock in place so the kid can't, you know, walk in and play in the toilet. Because, <laughs> um, you know, that happens. It probably does if you're not careful. Um I guess. And then Mulder, he's like creeping around outside looking for Tombs. And then Tombs is creeping around outside and he finds a window that's open just a crack. And he squeezes his fingers under it and lifts it up and then squeezes himself through the security bars. And he's in the house. And while Mulder's outside, he notices like bloody, dirty handprints on the windowsill. And he runs around the house and he knocks on the door. And so the guy gets up and he goes to the door and Mulder's like, there's an intruder in your house. Well, he flashes his FBI badge and he's like, there's an intruder in your house. And he like runs in and starts looking around and finds the open window, except it's not the open window that Toombs came in. It's a different open window that he escaped through. (laughs) So he's gone. Got to go home and wash the shit off. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, he that was way too much evidence he was leaving around no in general. I was like, of all the things to do. He was desperate. He had to eat that liver. Gotta get that liver. So then the next scene is at the Smithsonian Institute for... Thir- the Smithsonian <laughs> Institute Forensic Anthropology Lab. God, that's a mouthful. Uh, There's a big old slab of concrete there that the dead body's in. They cut it out and brought it there. And a scientist and Scully come in. And the scientist's like, well, you know, based on our findings, this body, you know, is probably from somebody that died in the mid-1930s. And there's some yada yada about why it's too early to determine cause of death. But it turns out this scientist has tried something a little unusual and different. And Scully's like, well, that's okay. We just will keep it off the record. So um, turns out uh, this scientist got a photo of the, the missing person from 1933. And he's used a computer program to see if the skull in the concrete could belong to the person in the photo. They use like a very early version of a technology that's actually really cool these days that basically overlays the photo on the skull 
to see if this would be that person's skull, and it is. Have you ever seen any of these reconstructions of historic... I've seen a couple. They're so um, cool. They're so weird. Yeah, it's, it's a technology, and anybody can look this up if you want. Like, if they have... Uh, like, uh, I know they did it for, like, King Tut. If they have the skull of somebody who's dead, but no, like, an ancient person, but no photograph exists of them, they can use the shape of the skull to figure out the most likely way that their muscles would have looked on their face and then put the skin over the muscles and then, like, get a approximation of what that person... It's so weird, but it's, it's so... It's so weird. It's so cool. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what they do. This skull belongs to this guy and cut to a scene of Mulder and Scully in a car and Mulder sees the skull thing and is like, that's not enough. And Scully is like, Mulder, your car is starting to stink. (laughs) So Mulder just pulls out a little pine tree air freshener. (laughs) And Scully's like, or er, er, Mulder's like, ah, I've been sitting here all day and Tombs didn't leave. I listened to two baseball games and four hours of Baba Booey. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, did you bring my sandwich? And Scully's like, yeah, it's liverwurst. Get it? <laughs> uh, and Mulder, uh, then she finally says, Mulder, you know... Proper surveillance does require two agents where one comes in and relieves the other one after 12 hours. And Mulder quotes the exact section of the rule book and Scully's like, this isn't about the rule book, Mulder. It's about the fact that you haven't slept in three days. And I, when she said that, I was like, I don't think I've been more than a day without sleeping ever. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever done three days. <laughs> and she goes, uh, you're going to get sloppy and you're going to get hurt. And Mulder's like, look, they're not going to let me have another agent. There's there's no ground for me to be sitting here doing this stakeout. And Scully's like, fine, I'll sit here and do the stakeout and you go home. And Mulder's like, look, they're going to put an end to the X-Files, Scully. I don't know why, but they will. And I don't care what happens to me and my record, but you'd be in trouble just sitting in this car. And I don't want you to carry an official reprimand in your career because of me. And she says to him, Fox. And Mulder just laughs and he goes, I even made my parents call me Mulder. So (laughs) Mulder. And she goes, Mulder, look, I wouldn't put myself on the line for anybody but you. And they look at each other and Mulder says, if there's an iced tea in that bag, it could be love. And Scully reaches in and says, it must be fate, Mulder. And she hands him a root beer. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, you're delirious. Go home. Get some sleep. And so Mulder is finally like, fine. Here's my sandwich. I only took one bite out of it. Uh, The sports show comes on at 1130 on this channel. (laughs) And Scully gets out of her car or gets out of Mulder's car to go back to her car. And we see that the trunk of Mulder's car is open just a little bit. And then it shuts closed and Mulder drives away. Meaning that Toombs is inside the trunk. 
And so in her own car, Scully looks at the sandwich with Mulder's one bite out of it. And she suddenly is like, that was a wussy bite too. It really Come was. on, man. Um, it's like not even, not even a proper one. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, hey, and she was like, oh, hey, because uh, she remembered, and I didn't mention this earlier, but she remembered that while she was talking to that scientist guy, that there was something about tooth marks on the ribs, which um, the the scientist guy thought was probably due to rodents chewing on the body before it got buried in concrete. And then we go to Mulder's apartment. He's fallen asleep watching the original version of The Fly. <laughs> um, and so while he's sleeping, we get a shot of his heating vent. And the screw is coming unscrewed from the inside. And for a second, Mulder hears it. But he kind of rolls over and goes back to sleep. And now Toombs comes into the apartment and stares at Mulder as he sleeps and digs into his own face with his fingernails so that he starts bleeding. And in the next scene, Toombs is in a hospital. He's being examined by a doctor and there's like a detective there who's like, we found him just knocked out cold in the street. And the doctor's like, he's been beaten up real bad like he's got all these bruises and cuts and his shoulder is pulled right out of joint and he's been kicked in the jaw and there's a part of a shoe print on his face uh and so so the doctor's like do you know who did this to you and he's like because he can't like move his mouth or talk because he's been kicked in the face and so she leans in close and he says something to her and she says, we'll be right back. And she takes the detective out of the room and she's like, uh, says he was had this done to him by an FBI agent named Mulder. And the detective's like, so is he delusional or just schizophrenic? And she's like, ah, it doesn't seem like he's either of those things. And at that moment, we go back to Toombs, who just pops his shoulder right back into place. <laughs> This is one of those like minor things that kind of bugged me a little bit. I'm like, mm -hmm. because then they go to Mulder's apartment, mm -hmm. take him in, and but like the wounds are not consistent with anything in the apartment slash, like, like like you, they have they would have to really search that like study that uh, tomb's body to see like point of impact and for a lot of stuff. Well, they. They said he was out on the street, which I assume is why they don't think that Mulder's apartment would look like the place he got beat up. But they do find his shoes that obviously his shoes match the, the footprint on uh, Toombs' face. But in the very next scene, they're in Skinner's office and Skinner's like, oh, Mulder, come on. This is really serious. Like the evidence is really bad against you. And Mulder's like, look. Uh, a good forensic scientist will know that there's not only a shoe print when there when somebody gets kicked, but there's like a point on the shoe print where you can tell where the foot was inside the shoe. And if anybody does any work on this at all, they're going to be able to find out that my foot was not inside the shoe when it hit the it hit his face, basically. 
Which is true because yeah. Tombs obviously just picked up his shoe and pressed it against and just went, his bam. <laughs> yes. And so Skinner says to him, so you're saying that Tombs is framing you? And Mueller's like, of course. And Skinner's like, okay, well, so if you were sitting there doing an unauthorized around-the-clock surveillance, how did he get your shoes without you seeing him? And Scully's like, uh, look, I know it wasn't just Mulder. Like, I'm involved in this, too. Uh, Mulder was with me when Toombs was admitted to the hospital. So there's no way that it could have been Mulder that attacked him. And... Skinner is like, Agent Scully, you wouldn't be lying to me, would you? <laughs> Which obviously the Smoking man still just hovering around the back. Yep, and the smoking man's just hanging out. And Scully's like, sir, I would just expect you to put the same trust in me as I do in you. Um, so Skinner's like, Agent Scully, I'd like a word with Mulder alone. Meaning, uh, alone with the smoking man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so Skinner, so Scully leaves and Skinner's like, Mulder, look, you're a really good agent. Like, people were talking about you from the time you were in the Academy and we all believed in you. But we also all think you're wasting your talents in the X-Files. But, like, we all just respected the fact that it was really personal to you and just let you do it. But if this is, like, getting so stressful that it's not only making you act inappropriately, but make Scully act inappropriately. Maybe you should just like go on vacation. And Mulder's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks for your concern. And yes. cut to the smoking man, just giving him a dirty look and chain yeah. smoking. And I also made a note here. Uh, Mitch Pileggi must be a fucking vampire because this episode was... 20 something years ago and Mitch Pileggi barely looks any like look up a picture of Mitch Pileggi now except for the fact that he wears a beard now he doesn't look different it's unbelievable he, he, he suffers he suffers the same thing as Paul Rudd <sighs> I know yeah the two, between the two of them it's scary <laughs> like yeah how little they change um so Skinner's like Mulder don't ever go near tombs again. You're forbidden. Um, so we cut to Scully showing Mulder Toombs' dental x-rays. And she's like, I got this idea because there was gnawing on the rib cage. And so we, we dug a little deeper into the concrete and we found uh, on a different rib, like a full-on actual human bite. And Mulder's like, well, you're never going to be able to get tombs to agree to cast his teeth for you and scully's like we we don't have to there's this computer program that we can use to create a full 3d model of his mouth using uh his x-rays and also we've scanned in the bite mark from the rib so we can compare the bite mark to the model of his teeth and surprise they match <laughs> oh my god i know total total so surprise. shocked so we cut to Tombs in his little room and he's ripping up paper because that's how he makes his nest. And uh, Tombs' old doctor comes in and the old couple is leaving for the night. Uh, they're like, we're going out to the movies or whatever. Bye. And so Tombs gives his doctor the monster eye 
and gets up and shuts the door and the screen goes dark and there's some screaming because he's taking this guy's liver. And Mulder and Scully pull up. I guess they got there because a neighbor reported screaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming something like along those lines. If it was this is like the one part that was very that was very weird because yeah, one mo- they just show up guns mm-hmm. ready. Uh, uh, the like end the definitely. House. The end of this episode definitely does feel like uh, maybe they shot more and then realized, oh shit, this show is actually only 45 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, because at the end, it hurries up a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, so they get there, and they, they run up to the door, and no one's answering. And so they just go into the house, and they find the dead doctor. And Mulder's like, damn, that make, that's five bodies. And he sees the ripped up paper, and he's like, ah, Andy's making a nest. He's going to be gone for 30 years. And Scully's like, well, where is he? Where would he go? And Mulder's like, the same place he's gone for the last 90 years, 66 Exeter Street. And Scully's like, ah, no, I already checked that out. The apartment building that he lived in was torn down. And Mulder's like, what's there now? And the next scene, we find out it's a mall. Let's go to the mall. The mall. Today. Today. And it's nighttime, so they have to be let in. Uh, by a security guard, and they're walking around, and Scully's like, well, if he really does always come back here, his new nest must be near the old nest that he made, which would be, like, here-ish. Uh, maybe it's up on the second floor, and Mulder starts to walk up to the escalator, but he stops, and he looks at the floor at the maintenance hatch under the escalator, and so they open the hatch and they look in and they realize there's only room for one person to crawl in at a time. And Mulder's like, you can get the next mutant. <laughs> they don't use the M word. X-Men's coming for them. Don't use the M word. Well, uh, uh, this was made in the 90s, which means Fox probably had the copyright to the term mutant. Which means well, yeah. because X Files. I was just meaning in general. I, I was just meaning in general. I know. I'm just like in. Yeah. I was making a. Uh, I was making a Disney couldn't use the word mutant joke. <laughs> Disney. Um, and so Mulder, you know, crawls under the escalator, um, and he seems, you know, he sees the the slime on the floor, and he starts. He goes all the way down, and he finds the big old wall of goo that's the nest and as he's inspecting the nest the arms they burst out and they grab him and they try to pull Mulder into the nest but he gets away and starts crawling back down towards Scully and Toombs comes out of the nest all naked and gooey and apparently being naked was the actor's idea and at first they were like that seems extreme and then once like they actually did it they were like oh no that works pretty well (laughs) so um Mulder he gets to the hatch and he gets caught by tombs and starts getting dragged back in but he kicks him in the face and Scully helps him out and when uh, when tombs starts to crawl out Mulder turns on the escalator and tombs gets caught in it and sucked in and killed that's why I said this gets very 
fast. Like the final confrontation yeah. is he gets caught in the elevator and killed or elevate escalator. Well, not only that, but like, but like the, like the, the, the whole like Mulder finding, like immediately going towards like the hatch yeah. underneath the, like, yeah, you're, yeah. The last part of it was definitely like ridiculously mm-hmm. rushed. Yeah. That's why I said, I felt like there was probably more to it. And then all of a sudden they realized that it was a 45 minute show. And had to kind of hurry up. Uh, so the yeah. next shot is um, Toombs' X-File. Skinner closes it. And he sits there quietly. And the goddamn smoking man walks into the frame. And Skinner says, have you read this report? And uh, the cancer man just doesn't answer. And Skinner says, well, do you believe them? And the smoking man speaks his first line of the entire series. Of course I do. And Skinner looks kind of upset at that. And then the next scene is Mulder. He's staring at a chrysalis. And Scully walks up and she's like, okay, let's go. And Mulder's like, it's amazing how they change, isn't it? And Scully's like, what, caterpillars? And Mulder's like, change is coming for us. And Scully's like, how do you know? And he's like, it's just a hunch. And he walks away and Scully follows him. And that's the end. That was, yeah, that was tombs. Season one, episode 21. What'd you think? I liked it. Um, like you said, like we were talking about, like the ending felt a little bit rushed. Mm-hmm. Definitely feel like they could have spent a little bit more time. There's there's definitely points to this where they could have spent some more times elsewhere versus what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, uh, but overall, I give this a solid A. Yep, I agree. It's a good follow up. It's, uh, I think it's the only monster of the week sequel episode um and it works pretty well and uh i do like i said i do think the end is rushed which kind of takes away from it a little bit um but for the most part solid i also give it an a yes yeah um i'm looking at next week's episode it's titled born again And this is another one I don't remember very well. I don't revisit the first season as often as I revisit other seasons. Uh, Oof, but two of the people involved really didn't end up liking this episode. So that seems like a not a good sign for next week. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I guess we'll find out. Uh, that's it. So down. Yeah, that's it. Your everybody, your uh, homework for next week is born again. And see you later. Bye. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. 
Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocca. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.